Hey folks, welcome to the astrology show. It is your host Kira. Um, yeah, happy eclipse season. <laughs> um, I have another really fun episode for you today. This is the last interview um, episode of the season. I interviewed sex educator, well, sex education coach, coach for sex educators, <laughs> Cameron Glover, um, Pisces queen, super stoked to have her on. We had a really great conversation and had a really fun time reading her chart. So, um, yeah, excited for you to hear this one. And yeah, we only have a couple more episodes left this season. Um, wrapping up over the month of May. It's been such a great season. I've had so much fun with this up this season and recording all these cool new episodes and I have a whole list of ideas for next season. So don't you worry. We'll be back um, when I get back from traveling Europe all summer. Um, so we'll be back in the fall. But some housekeeping before before we get into all of that. <laughs> um, we have an 11th house workshop coming up on Wednesday, May the 4th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's called Wizard Tower Publishing for Mystics and um, publisher extraordinaire <laughs> Daniel Lisi, who is publishing my the book that I'm currently writing, um, also published, um, Marcella Kroll's book. They, yeah, not a cult, um, oh, Cy Wounds, Cy Swoon's <laughs> book. Um, not a cult has a lot of really great titles and Daniel is also the co-founder of uh, chapter house. So Daniel knows everything about books and publishing and is basically going to walk us through, um, you know, the whole process from published from self-publishing to traditional publishing and kind of everything in between, marketing, all the things. So if you're at all interested in writing a book and publishing, um, even if it's not happening in, you know, the next year or so, I think you can get a lot out of this. And it's only $15 for non-members. So yeah, check it out. Um, and of course, if you can't make it live, you can, you'll get the replay if you register. So just register. <laughs> um, yeah, working on, oh, the other thing is we announced the Emerging Astrologers Summit. Um, so that's taking place on Saturday, May 21st. And that's a, a one day long summit um, between 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific. We have five speakers, five emerging astrologers who have yet to speak publicly, and um, they are t talking about really cool topics that they're into. Um, we're actually going to do a whole show um, in a couple weeks that you know promotes each of these talks, and you can hear straight from the speakers. Um, all the cool things that they have going on or all the cool talks that they, that they're working on. But, um, yeah, I can just, I'll, I'll just kind of give you a little sneak peek of the, um, of the titles of the talks. Cause yeah, they're, it's going to be so good. So we have debilitated Mercury's neurodivergence and capitalism by Sarah Maya. We have Qu queering the threshold with Rose Blakelock. 
Rethinking the Astrology of Fatness with Adina Herzl. Reimagining the Planets Through Indigeneity with Jalen. And Protecting Your Sacred Flame with Vesta, the Asteroid of Desire with Kenny Rivera. So yeah, again, like I'm really stoked for this this little mini summit we're putting on. And it's completely free to attend. You don't have to pay anything to show up. Um, just, just register on um, the website and um, you'll get free access to join. And our replays are up for 24 hours. Um, if you can't make it live and or want to support the amazing astrologers that are speaking, you can buy an all access pass that gives you access to all five talks. So you'll get the replays from all five talks. You'll get unlimited access to those, plus a few bonuses um, that the speakers are offering. Some Sometimes it's like, you know, a discount on readings or a PDF or something like that. So we got bonuses. Um, and yeah, this is how we pay our speakers <laughs> for the summit. So um, if you want to support these five awesome speakers, this is the way to do so. Um, and the pass is $65 until the day of the summit. Then it's, the price goes up on the day of the summit. So if you want it, the cheapest price, $65, that's $13 per lecture, which is a steal. It's literally half off, um, what they will be after the summit. Um, you can purchase that on the website. And we'll leave um, a link, obviously, in the show notes to learn more and to register for that. I'm really excited for it. Um, what else? I think that's it for now. Oh, we have a couple of spots left for the retreat in France, if you're interested. Um, you can learn more about that on my website. But I'm hosting an, a knitting and astrology retreat in, in Basque Country, France at the end of June. Um, it's a five-day-long retreat. It's going to be so much fun. So yeah, if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. Um, Okay, I'll stop yapping and let you guys listen to the episode. Um, Hope you enjoy. Hey, Cameron, how's it going? Hi, it's going good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to have you here. on the astrology show, I've been wanting to like talk about talk to you and <laughs> look at your chart for like a while. Um, I will introduce you. Actually, yeah, let me just introduce you by that. <laughs> I mean, like passing it off to you to yeah. <laughs> introduce yourself. <but laughs> what do you do? Yeah, so I am a business coach for sex educators and. It's so funny because I always get like, what is that? And I'm like, I made it up. (laughs) But my background, uh, I am a certified sex educator. And I got into this field thinking that I was going to do very much like traditional sex education um, because it's very much needed. But Mm -hmm. I realized once I was in my certification program and really getting into the grooves of exactly what I wanted to do in a field, I realized that there wasn't that much support on the business aspect of it. And I was just really fascinated by, it almost felt like this whole new, like unexplored world that I wanted to just like dive into. So I started, you know, exploring like what are the possibilities to actually make money and, be a full-time independent sex educator myself. So now I teach people basically 
what it is that I've learned, but how to do it a lot simpler, a lot faster. Um, and just helping sex educators make money is my jam. So that's what Hell I do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you, we both have second house moons. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, Helping astrologers, like making astrologers money is my jam. So I totally feel that. Yeah. Um, It's like, it's so interesting because I know people always get like, I hate using this loosely, but people really do get triggered around like talking about money and like, I get it. Yeah. But I also feel like there's such liberation because I always think that if more people who want to do amazing, incredible things who are actually good people had the resources to do it, like the world would be better like automatically. So it's like, to me, I don't see it as like we would be recreating the systems that exist or that we're trying to escape from, but it would be more of like, I think that that is one of many avenues that we need to consider in order to create the world that we want to see. Exactly. I so wholeheartedly agree with that. And I love that, that you're doing that in the sex education space. And that's the thing. It's like, this is needed in so many, we, we are both in like such mm-hmm. niche fields. It's like, this is needed in so many fields. Um, so it's cool that you're providing that. Um, and yeah, like I was going to say, how do we know each other? <laughs> um, I mean the internet, like it's not the internet. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember I came to see you talk in Brooklyn, um, with like, um, Gosh. <laughs> Who was it? Evian Whitney and Oh, at welcome, um, welcome Shelley, home. But, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, that was uh, really that was awesome. Oh, uh, thank you. I remember that talk, and as soon as you said, it, I was like, yeah, it was probably that one. Because <laughs> I feel like that um, that talk that I did, that panel, probably started off a lot of things for me, and it really it was one of the talks that also helped to solidify, like, yes, this is what I want to do. Because it was in the space of not just like colleagues who are also doing incredible work who I like love and support very dearly, but also like, I don't know, it really like just catapulted a lot of momentum for me. So I'm really mm-hmm. glad and that you saw that. what was the name that. of the talk? It was, oh gosh, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. Well, wait, yeah, that's okay. I mean, just um, so people was, know but it was what hosted, we're talking about. But it was hosted at um, Welcome Home Tattoo Parlor. I don't. They're not around anymore, unfortunately, but mm. um, the co-owners, Kelly and T, um, I really love, and I have a few pieces yeah. by, so it was really awesome. exciting, yeah, when they reached out and was like, we want to like host ta- a talk on like sex education, and specifically, um, you know, what the experience is, is of being a black person within that space, and we want to like host mm-hmm. and give our physical space to like, for you to have that dialogue, it was really... Powerful. I remember it was like kind of specifically geared towards um, like censorship too. Mm-hmm. That that a lot of um, like basically BIPOC sex educators and accounts in general um, experience on Instagram and other platforms. Yeah, and yeah, I remember there were so many great <coughs> people on that panel too. Um, yes, I remember. I remember the title now. <laughs> it took me a minute because it yeah, was okay. Yeah, way back in like. Oh gosh, pre-COVID. It was times. like May. It yeah, was like May, June, twenty nineteen. I mm-hmm. think, like yeah, right before um, oppression in the algorithm. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember it had a great name like that. That's why I was mm-hmm. like, "What was it?" Yeah, that was that was awesome, and you did a really good job moderating it. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, that was a cool event. I'm like, I want to host an event like this, but then the world, <laughs> the world ended. <laughs> right? Yeah, I still want to host an event like that. Again. Yeah, it it can happen. Um, so yeah, you. I kind of want to like talk about your journey towards where you're where you're at right now because um, I feel like yeah, I mean, I've probably been following you for about three years um, and seeing everything that you've been doing and it's all been very inspiring. And I feel like we have similar, we kind of run in those similar circles of like business, business owners for you. It's like coaches, Mm -hmm. um, create, creating businesses around like, yeah, I guess empowering other business owners basically. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and I'm, I feel like I'm kind of getting into that space and in the sense of, I want to, do that type of support for astrologers more formally. I kind of already do it very inform- informally just with, every, you know, friends, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. So tell me a little bit more. Cause I know you, um, like tell me, I guess the story around like your sex education <laughs> and how it led you to getting into sex education. Yeah. Oh gosh. I really love telling this story because I always growing up, like I thought that I had a very clear idea of, what I wanted to do. And I thought that that was going to be it. And then it wasn't. <laughs> so growing well, up, actually before, oh. before we get into mm-hmm. it, I've totally forgot to share your chart info. Oh yeah. Folks. Um, so your SMR, do you want to tell people your sun moon rising? Yeah. So I, I love that too. This is taking me back to like aim, like age. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> What's your SMR? Yeah. So I'm a Pisces sun, a Virgo moon and a Leo rising, which I feel like if you know, you know, with the hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, Pisces sun, Leo moon, your chart ruler is your Pisces sun in the eighth house. And not only do you have Pisces sun in the eighth house, you have an exact, you have a Mercury Kazemi, um, in Pisces in the eighth house. So you were born with that exact Mercury conjunction. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool. If you think about that, because, a Kazemi, the retrograde Kazemi, which we're heading towards in a couple of days, another one, um, that's the beginning of Mercury cycle. That's like Ooh. the start of its synodic cycle. Um, and that's when it's moving the fastest part of its retrograde. It's moving pretty slow because it's retrograde, but like it has this like momentum to it and this insight and clarity that comes with the Kazemi. Um, and it, I just think it's really cool. I think it's cool that you have that in your chart. I've, I've never, I never knew that I had a Kazemi in my chart. I always just like, yeah. so I was making that face only because I'm like, if you have a Pisces Mercury, you know the struggle. It's just like, yes. listen. Your they, Mercury is exactly square, exactly square to my Mercury and Sag. Oh, so I man. also know the struggle yeah, of like having a, a Jupiter ruled Mercury. Like, I, I feel like to put it in meme terms, it's always like, there's not a single thought in your head, is there? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> For me, it's like there's too many thoughts and they are just like whizzing by and I cannot mm-hmm. keep, I can't grasp onto all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a lot. And then also I feel like, for me, one of the one of the challenges is just like communication. I feel like I'm always trying to make sure I'm being as clear as possible um, because I want to be understood and I want to be heard. And it's sometimes challenging. I think sometimes when like um, 
like you said, having a lot of ideas and then getting very excited, right? There's all these different mm-hmm. things and like I literally can't speak fast enough to get them out. Yeah, and then other yeah. times it's just like I'm literally in my own world. I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it feels like a very insightful and also like internal experience of Mercury where you're probably do your best communication in nonverbal ways. Mm-hmm. Um it's just that we live in this world where we're kind of forced to speak, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot more exactly. right. But yeah, yeah, we will, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, <laughs> but sorry, I just wanted to kind of lay, lay that picture out for folks. We have Leo rising chart, Virgo moon in the second house, a full moon at that, um, because uh-huh. we have a Pisces sun. Um, yeah. And the eighth house ruling the chart and it's Kazemi. Yeah. Okay. You can, you can, now you can start your story okay. about your sex education. Um, yeah. So like I said, growing up, like I always had a very clear idea of what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be a writer. Funny enough, like sex education was never like something that I thought was even a career path or really like thought about. Um, my personal sex education was abysmal so I grew up in Jersey um which has one of the quote-unquote better like public school you know sex education Mm -hmm. I guess but mine was absolute garbage um I like distinctly remember not even really getting sex education until like I I think I was a senior in high school honestly oh my god yeah and it was of course it was health class so it wasn't like a dedicated you know whatever so my my gym teacher, just all the, all the stereotypes. Right. So my gym teacher is like going over the syllabus and I distinctly remember her like going over like, Oh, this week we're going to be talking about this and that and the third. And then she gets on the week or like the two weeks that were dedicated to sex ed. And she's like, Oh, well we don't have to spend too much time on this. Cause like y'all already having sex and then just moved on. And (laughs) so it, it was interesting because the thought that came to me in that moment was like, well, one, why are you assuming that? And two, even if we are having sex, why do you think we're having good sex? Why do you think we don't need help? Or safe sex. Like yeah. any, any of the above. Like it's, yeah. it, that moment always stuck with me because I was like, it's that attitude. Like, I think at that point I was familiar with like this idea of like, okay, you either have it as far as like getting good sex education or like you don't. But being confronted with this element of, like, this assumption, I guess it just, like, really riled something in me. And it, like, it really stuck with me. So fast forward a few years, and this is probably, I'm, like, I've graduated college. I'm freelance writing at this point, And I was doing a story. I can't really remember what I was writing about. But I ended up Google searching, like, sex educators. And I remember stumbling upon, like, all these different folks that were in the field um, that have done incredible, like prolific work. And at the time there wasn't a whole lot of people that were actively doing it. Like the internet was very, very different in 2015 than it was today. So there wasn't a whole lot of information. There weren't like people that were very visibly providing sex education or even like, I don't know, very loudly claiming that title. As mm-hmm. like, this is what I do, right? It was just, it was very different. It's like but Dr. I, Ruth and mm-hmm. then like, it's like, yeah, yeah no exactly. one really. Exactly. There wasn't anybody that was, well, first of all, everybody was white. <laughs> Let's just start mm-hmm. there, right? Everybody yeah. was like 
really cis. There wasn't, there wasn't anybody that looked like me. There wasn't really anybody that reflected my experiences that I could find. Um, there weren't even really like those roundup posts of like, Oh, sex educators you should follow online. Like there was none of that, Mm -hmm, but I still mm -hmm. remember like seeing this and just having this thought of like, well, shit, if they can do it, I could do it too. (laughs) Instead of feeling like, wow, I'm really bummed that they're aren't people who look like me that have my experiences that are being reflected. I kind of saw that as like a, I I took that personally is what I'm trying Mm -hmm, to say. mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, let's, let's see what we can do about this. Right. So I opened up another tab and I was like, how do you become a sex educator? And so I decided that my personal route was to get certified. Um, So I talk about this. I, I have a few like posts and like, things where I talk about certification because it is a question I get very often. And personally, I don't think that every sex educator needs to be certified. I think that we all need to be trained, but I don't believe that certification is necessarily the route for everyone to take, especially like when you're thinking about like building an actual business and doing this full time. I think it's more important to invest in the skills to be able to learn Mm -hmm. how to, you know, work with clients and also to conduct business how to actually like conduct the you know the whole like transaction of not just like creating an offer but providing a space where people are able to get a transformation I think that Mm -hmm. that is just as important as like knowing the difference between like body parts and emotions and like all that other stuff so for the record I feel the same way about astrology certification Mm -hmm. um and I I did it and I actually I don't recommend <laughs> that at least that that one and most of my yeah. I say like save your money and your time and yeah yeah I, it's not that it's not the best investment at least not nowadays yeah yeah and I think a lot of people they kind of see it with the same mindset that we all kind of grow up with of like go to school get trained get mm-hmm. a good job and it's like yeah. when you're in these fields that are very niche I think that you get more out of it when you bring your own perspective to it And Mm -hmm. no one can train you in that. You just, you come with that perspective. And when you, I think, go into a certification program, it's training you in a specific method or specific methodology, but it's not teaching you like how to be you. It's not teaching you how to bring your you essence to what has already been created to then, you know, establish something new or to build upon it and evolve the field. Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is way more important. So it's like, honestly, my, my recommendation, if you're thinking about certification to like help you figure out like how to be a sex educator, I think the best way to do that is to take trainings, like maybe take a few classes to bridge those gaps of what you think you don't already know, but like get the experience of actually working with people as quickly as possible um, while getting that training. And then once you've been in a field a while and you have a better understanding of exactly what you want to do, because certification also may not even be the best route for you if you want to mainly, I don't know, be like a sex coach or like someone who is creating sexuality content online, certification may not really like be necessary for that to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah. cool. Wow. Okay, so you got to, you you did a certification, and then did you start, did you start, like, teaching after that? Yeah, so I, I was currently 
not currently. What am I saying? <laughs> in certification. Mercury inside. Mercury I, see, Pisces. see. Here we go. <laughs> so um, when I was in the certification program that I went through, I was part time sex educator. So I was at the time like I knew that I wanted to be in a field, but I didn't know the specifics of like what my niche was going to be or like who I wanted to work with. So I was like, let me just try mm-hmm. everything. Dip a toe into a bunch of different things and like figure it out just through experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, again, I think is always like the best teacher. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was, you know, doing kind of like traditional teaching of classes um, and just like really getting as much experience as I could before I like finalize exactly what I wanted to do. So with that, once I finished the program, I realized that the thing I was actually most passionate about was like the business side of it. It was always a thing Mm. I had the most questions about and whatnot. So I thought Mm. to myself, all right, what, like, what could I do to like start getting upon this route right now? So I decided to take my writing skills and to take like the questions I kept asking and the questions that I was getting from people at the time, because I was sharing my own journey of like getting certified and like transitioning from freelance writing to sex education. People were asking me like, Oh, how do I become a sex educator? How do I like go that route? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to like write an ebook. Right. I figured that was going to be the best use of my skills and it was going to help me to like, again, experiment with like, how do I actually like take these skills and make money in this field and like start to get the business experience that I want to have. So launched the ebook and that just like blew my mind open. It was, it was specifically like going to sleep and waking up to the Stripe notifications that I was like, oh, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) you're telling me that I don't need to clock in and out somewhere. I don't need to like actively be working and tracking my hours to get paid. Oh, it's over for (laughs) y'all. Yes. It's over. So at that point I was like, my mind is blown. Let me, let me dive into this head first. So from the ebook, I like started hosting workshops, which a lot of educators also do. Right. And then like selling the replays, doing things like that. And then I eventually worked into actually coaching and I loved it. I love coaching. I love working with people. Cause I think that there's just something so powerful about in person or like interactive, like deep learning and immersion and like helping Mm -hmm. people with the implementation of a process, Mm -hmm. not just providing information that just really, Oh, it lights me up. You can, you can even see it on my face. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's that's when I was like taking notes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's when I knew that I was like, okay, this is it. Like this is the full body. Like, yes, that I was looking for. And I couldn't have learned that if I had just kept to like what I was studying in school, what I was studying in my certification program. And I think Mm -hmm. coaching too is really awesome because it also brings in all these other skills that I had like in my life before sex education. Like I was a summer camp counselor. So like really outside of like traditional qualifications, I did have experience in like coaching and counseling with people. It was just in an environment that like I hadn't made the connection. Right. So it like kind of made sense Mm -hmm. Um, and a bunch of other things. So that was eventually my journey. So now I focus like completely on coaching. I have one on one coaching and a group coaching program that I provide for sex educators and also like people that are in just like 
very specific niches like this one. I, again, just really love supporting people with the immersion of like, you want to take this weird, amazing, beautiful thing that you love and you want to make it a business. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's figure out a way to like package up all that brilliance in a way that's not going to stress you out. That's going to like be just like really simple and also support the full life that you want to live. So that's my story. Oh my gosh. I love, thank you so much for sharing so much. I mean, I'm excited to talk about the astrology (laughs) of all of it. I saw Um, your face. You're like, I know, I know they have notes. I know that there's notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, I I guess to start, um, the third house, ninth house stuff is just really loud Mm -hmm. in your Mm -hmm. chart. Do you mind if I share like the screen and show your chart? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's what I meant to ask you before, and I forgot. That was, I like <laughs> blanked out on it. Okay, <laughs> so Ooh, so fancy. yeah, pretty chart here. Um, and if you're listening to this and you you can't see, um, feel free to pop over to YouTube. This all of our episodes are on YouTube as well, um, and you can see closed captionings there too. So um, so yeah. This is your chart. I'm looking at the third house here in the ninth house. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, you know, you talked about writing and how you always wanted to be a writer. And then you talked about writing that ebook and all of these third house like skills. Like mm-hmm. I think of the third house comparative to the ninth house because they both have so much to do with education um, and and learning and teaching. But the third house is more of that, it's the micro, it's the, the grounded kind of day-to-day um, version of that. So that's where you get like the ebook, kind of the smaller, mm-hmm. smaller groups or, you know, um, just teaching skills um, and using your skills. Um, that's very third house. And the ninth house is more of like the publishing, the broadcast, the getting it out on a a bigger level or, or sharing a bigger, more conceptual message even. Um, and so the fact that you have the ruler of your third house, um, your third house is, is Libra. Um, you have the ruler of that sign in that house in the ninth house, your, your Venus in Aries. Um, I think that's very, <laughs> that's something to take note of. Also your Venus rules your midheaven in Taurus. And so you go, okay, the midheaven, always ask the question, what are you known for? What are you known for? Um, third house things, your skills. Um, where do you find your skills? Where do you find your career? And the ninth house of education in broadcasts and, you know, publishing, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that your Venus, and Venus also rules sex. Venus rules um, any sort of connection. But the fact that you're, you have this, that Venus in detriment in Aries in the ninth house um, just shows that you do Venus things in a way that's different from the dominant culture. That's mm. kind of what the detriment speaks to. You know, your Venus is in a faraway land. It's in a place that it's not, it's not home. And so it's going to do things in a very different way than what's considered quote unquote normal, right? Or quote that's unquote, very, like, oh, I was yeah. going to say that's like very Uranus energy to me. Of like doing mm-hmm. things differently. Yeah, th- that too. Um, but the in a different way, in a different way. Um, Uranus, I I don't really use the outer planets as um, as well. I don't use them as rulers of sign, and I don't mm-hmm. 
I don't use them in talking about the personality so much and like the day-to-day stuff because they do depends on where they show up basically. Um, but they're, I, I just conceptualize their, their energy just in a different way than the visible planets. No, that Um, makes sense. But yeah, but yeah, it's more of like the framework of, you know, the, the planet responsible for these areas of life for you or is in this place that has to do with education and, you know, sharing a message on a broad scale, but, um, but in a way that's just very different from the dominant culture. So you have that. And then plus you have this mercury here in fall that also does things very differently than the dominant (laughs) culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Mercury rules your second house of money and income and how you're making a living. And so it makes sense that you make a living through, you know, mercurial things like writing and communicating. Um, but again, it's in this, it's in this weird way. It's in this very <laughs> unexpected mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of um, space. Um, so, yeah. And the... And even thinking about the fact that like the work you do is very much like providing some sort of transformation um, and an experience like that is so Piscean too. It's not like this one-to-one transaction, transactional thing where, you know, it's like I'm selling you this product here. You have the products. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. It's this very like multidimensional experience, which feels very um, Mercury in the heart of the sun and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that stands out to me. Um, but yeah, also this Jupiter in Libra in the third house being ruled by this Venus as well. Um, this very, we could say very queer Venus and <laughs> Aries, like, you know, just trying to spread the word about um, sex education and, and also like how to how to do business ruler of the 10th house, you know, how you can, how you can live your life in a way that doesn't have to be, um, so beholden to these systems necessarily, you know, there's like Mm -hmm. other ways of, of doing business, um, and living our lives. Um, yeah. So this third house, ninth house stuff is just very loud. And then you also have like, Mars hiding here in the 12th house in Cancer. (laughs) Oh, my little sensitive Mars. (laughs) Yeah, Mars back here, square to both of your benefics. Um, And sort of, yeah, in this conversation with them as well, like Mars rules the ninth house. And when you talk about your education being inadequate, (laughs) it's like thinking about the ruler of your ninth house being in fall in the 12th house, you know, like Mm. being in this, this position of being, um, yeah, not, I always like kind of just not having the best tools. Like I think of planets in fall as, um, kind of be given the shit end of the stick a lot of the time, <laughs> like yep. that type of energy. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the experience of a planet in fall. They're like, I'm not being noticed. Like, hello, like this isn't enough for, mm-hmm. for me at all. <laughs> Literally this ain't um, it. I feel like has been most yeah. of my school experience because again, yeah. like, and I, and I do emphasize this in my coaching as well. Like so much of school, I just see through the lens of like, this is teaching us information, but it's not giving anything else. And I want the, mm-hmm. I want the more, I want the something yeah. else. 
That is so, oh my God, Venus and Mars ruling your third <laughs> and your ninth house. Truly. Like it's so spot on for that because like Venus and Mars, these these two planets, they are nocturnal planets. So they are of the night sect. They're, they're, the consciousness is much more rooted in um, experience and feeling and sensuality and our wants and our needs and just this more rooted in the material physical realm type of experiences as opposed to like Jupiter and Saturn who are very far away planets and they're more interested in our the big picture you know more like worldly success and career stuff and what we're like on our in the outside external world right Mm -hmm. Venus and Mars are like what's going on inside what what do I need like that type of thing so to have those two planets ruling your third and your ninth houses and being in detriment and fall you know that that's like the perfect combination for like I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do this in a way that no one's done it you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and in a space where yeah in a space where like it's not it's not there you know so you're filling these I don't want to say filling these holes. Oh my god! But I guess that is like filling in the gaps. <laughs> I yes, the way thank I you. Kind of see I'm like it. filling in the holes. <laughs> the way I kind this of is sex ed, but. and you know what? It's interesting because something that I think about quite often whenever folks are like, you know, how do I figure out my niche? How do I figure out like what I want to be known for? And I always give the advice of like, where do you naturally see those gaps existing, and like, how can you fill it? Because my mm-hmm. my thinking is always like if you see those gaps, then that already points you towards like, okay, this is like what lights you up. This is what you're noticing that other people aren't. That's already mm-hmm. an opportunity for you to come in and like bring your brilliance, bring your magic, bring you and like fill yes. that in. Yes. Oh, I love that. And um, yes, that's that's this is like such a good lesson in looking at the chart. Um, and looking at the planets and their placements in a way that it's not just about you. It's about your experience, but, Mm -hmm. like, these represent other things in your life other than just facets of you, right? Like, Like, again, these two planets, Mars and Venus, representing your educational experience um, and your teachers and, yeah, all of that. So I love that. And (laughs) when you're looking at when you're looking at that in the lens of essential dignity, you know, detriment, fall, things like that, you can see, okay, these are going to be areas of life where things are going to, yes, maybe be more difficult in a lot of ways, um, but also where you're going to, because of those difficulties, meaning like because of potential lack of resources or potential, um, you know, disrespect or things like that, which you will see in detriment and fall, um, you you get a different experience of things, and you're able to help other people out who are also, mm-hmm. you know, going through similar, having similar um, experiences. So, yeah, I love that. And we've talked we talked a lot about you know the plan, your planets in detriment and fall, but we have not we've yet to talk about Big Daddy Saturn holding it down. Listen, um, <laughs> the zoom angular, in though. <laughs> angular as fuck. Hold on. Okay, there we go. Um, and Aquarius, <laughs> literally like on the descendant, resting on the western horizon. Just chilling. About to dip. Yeah. Um, 
love that. Love this for you. I love that you have this, this like, yeah, very, um, very dignified as fuck Saturn, um, really holding things down in your chart in a big way. Like not to say that you wouldn't be functional or something without (laughs) it, but like it really, Mm -hmm. it really helps, um, provide a nice, stable, consistent aspect of, you know, your life. And that falls in the seventh house of other people, your relationships, the people in your life, um, I would imagine tend to reflect that and bring that out of you and also, and also, um, provide that for you, like a lot of consistency and stability. Yeah. Um, And also like having that be something that I value a lot in my own relationships too. Like, especially mm -hmm. I think with like (laughs) the excitement and all the like different changes that come with like work and stuff. Well, that's nice. Yeah. It is also really important to me to have like really stable, like consistent relationships. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and that's always going to be an aspect of your life where, you know, you, you will have that, you know, that's, this is like, we could say a very blessed part of your chart, um, both the sixth house and the seventh house because Saturn rules your sixth and seventh. Um, so just like the work and the, um, yeah, the, the work, the lifestyle, the, the keeping things running and moving from the mm-hmm. background, like Saturn's able to kind of con- provide that consistent structure for you. And also that shows up a lot, again, in the people that you are in relationship with. And the seventh house also represents your clients, your one-on-one partners and the partnerships and also clients, people that you have any sort of contractual relationship with. And so it makes sense that like, you know, you're working with business owners, you know, you're working with people who are providing structure in other ways as well. Um, and you were saying how, yeah, you really love the, how to, to just dive in deep with someone. And you said this, I wrote down the quote implementation (laughs) of a process. And I was like, that is so Saturn, (laughs) especially Saturn and Aquarius. It's, it's one of my favorite things so much. Like i if I have to choose between like providing information and like providing support to the implementation, Oh, I'm all about the implementation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Cause your Saturn gives you that ability to see big picture. I really think of Saturn and Aquarius as like being able to kind of be on the cloud and look at things from this bird's eye view. And you can see how all the systems are running from this, again, this pulled, this, pulled back perspective. Um, and so then your Virgo moon can get down into the details and, Mm -hmm. you know, really iron things out down on the ground. But Saturn is there with like really able to see the big picture. And, and with that also comes an understanding of time and timing. Um, cause the big picture has a lot to do with like, all right, you know, this is going to be the right time to do this and this is not the right time. So you should be Mm -hmm. doing that. Um, so yeah, all of that is, is a really solid part of your chart. Um, and not to mention you have Pallas Athena here in Aquarius, Hmm. pretty close to your Saturn too. Um, maybe not within, it's six degrees, I would say five degrees. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Pallas and Aquarius plus with Saturn there just also aids a lot in, um, 
pattern recognition and just structuring and organizing like yeah this like your Pisces stuff might be a little floaty in a lot of like a lot of ways <laughs> but and but that has a lot more to do with like your identity and where where you show up in life mm-hmm. you know and in, in your in your life but your Saturn is really holding it down in terms of like you're still gonna you're still gonna like how do I say this I feel like it's kind of one of those like you're not ever gonna like really totally lose it at like placements you know Saturn's gonna keep you keep keep you like grounded in reality like for better or for worse you know what I mean yeah no I feel that and almost like as you were talking getting the sense of like sometimes I do feel like um even just like my sun and my moon sometimes will literally just like be like in complete opposite because Virgo is so like grounded and Pisces is just like in the air Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but I almost get like that same sense like like hearing you kind of explain these different aspects of my chart of like oh no that's happening in other places too (laughs) yeah 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 and your yeah your Virgo your Virgo moon is like also holding it down for sure (laughs) for sure um but yeah, it's a nice, you know, you have so many different aspects of your chart. And it's nice that you also have a nice mix of fire and water and air and earth, you know. Mm-hmm. To, it's very multidimensional. Very, um, it's giving Avatar Last Airbender to me. But. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about... Um, the last couple of years, because you've been, wait, how old are you now? So you're turning... I'm turning 29. 29. Yeah. Okay. So you're about to enter some Saturn years. So we'll talk about that. But okay. I want to, I wanted to ask you about, yeah, the past like year and a half, two years, especially probably starting at 27. I feel like 27 was probably like a year for you. Like that was, was it? a year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm making faces as you're like talking because I'm like, oh, it's been (sighs) these last few years, I would say they have been lessened. I've been humbled. I'll say it like that. I've been humbled. Um, A lot of things, I think, getting restructured, destabilized, shifting. Um, I'll I'll briefly talk about this, I guess, because like it's relevant. So like this in 2021, especially, I feel like my my 28th year, um, a lot of things happened. So I had a breakup and I moved cross country and both of those things happened within like two weeks of each other. And mm. it was it was kind of a shit show. I'm not going to lie. Um, but a lot of just like destabling of like what was familiar. And so I still feel like I'm in this process almost of like finding a new normal. I know we're all tired of hearing that, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but that's what it kind of feels like, like finding this newness with like, I recognize I am a different person than I was before these things happened. And also I'm a different Mm -hmm. person now that these things have happened. So it's almost like finding myself and reintroducing myself to myself at the same time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, and that was last year you said, so that was yeah. 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, how was 20, what was 2020 like for you? 2020 was popping. 
It was, yeah. <laughs> I feel like 2020 was good. Um, I would say if anything, there was definitely, well, in hindsight, um, there was definitely a disconnect between like my personal relationships and like work and all of that. Like work was really great. And I feel like things very much on the surface for me were okay, but underneath mm-hmm. emotionally, there was a little bit of like disconnection that was happening, Okay, but like nowhere near 2021. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious because, um, and you were like 27 Mm -hmm. for most of 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 2020 was a fourth house year. Um, so a lot of fourth house themes would have come up. Um, and your fourth house is ruled by your Mars and cancer in the 12th house. So I'm like, I was kind of like, Oh, they're, probably would have been an experience of like, um, just feeling kind of lost in some ways or feeling a little bit like, yeah, detached, Mm -hmm. maybe 12th housey, you know, kind of like, what am I doing? Kind of floating, you know? And when you said it was kind of underneath the surface, which that feels, that feels like it. Yeah. That feels very cancerian to me. Mm -hmm. Very like (laughs) in the shell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, 2021 in your fifth house year at 28, um, your Jupiter was active or is activated. Um, and you have that Jupiter and Libra, but I think, you know, what stands out to me is, um, some other transits that were happening. Well, so Jupiter was your time Lord is your time Lord. I should say still mm-hmm. until, until your birthday in March. Um, and Jupiter entered Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Jupiter was in Aquarius for most of last year. Um, and Saturn also in Aquarius, right? So we had both Saturn, Saturn return happening in Aquarius, Time Lord in Aquarius, um, in your seventh house, and you you went through a breakup. Um, do you feel like maybe in hindsight at all, and maybe I don't know how long it wasn't super long ago, but maybe about a we're, year. We're past the six month mark, so okay, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Do you feel like it? in some ways it was a sense of like a release in some ways or like, yes. a, yeah, yeah, like kind of breaking you free from it. Yeah. Um, I don't just, you know, for privacy sake, I don't want to dive too deeply oh, into totally, it. Yeah. Um, but like it wasn't, it wasn't a healthy relationship. Um, so there was mm-hmm. definitely like a releasing that happened mm-hmm. and like, a I think that for me that's what comes up with a sense of like rediscovering or like reintroducing myself to myself mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense totally totally yeah um I'd say that I asked because well for a lot of the reasons there's just a lot of you had a <laughs> yeah. lot going on there, I, um <laughs> I can already tell <laughs> But, you know, your south node is in your fifth house, so that kind of becomes... I actually... We have nodes in the same houses. I have south node mm-hmm. in the fifth house, too. Um, but that became activated. Um, yeah, I also I also went through... Broke out with in a, a very unhealthy relationship at 28 as well. Um, but, yeah, so, so that part... But also in this Jupiter year, and again, like, Jupiter does have this way of 
providing relief or release in a different way than than Uranus does. Mm. Jupiter tends to for Jupiter it tends to be a little bit more like like lubrication, you know, that kind of gets you out of your mm-hmm. your the rope that's binding you almost or yeah, it provides moisture, it provides it makes things less rigid and tight. Um, whereas Uranus is sort of like, you know, freeing the zoo animals, like, out of nowhere. Yeah. So, you know, it's like that type of, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to break, the, I'm going to, like, come in with a crowbar and, like, break you out of here. Um, <laughs> different type of relief and release. But, but yeah, so the Jupiter aspect just made me think, you know, um, especially as it probably came closer to your Saturn, that's kind of what Jupiter was was inviting in with that as well. But also, I mean, again, seventh house Saturn return, we're restructuring, we're redoing this, this uh, the way we're doing relationships. It almost feels like, like taking, you know when you're done with the puzzle and you're like, yes, this feels good, and then mm-hmm. you just clear away all the pieces? It feels like yes. I've cleared away all the pieces again. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, you get your exact Saturn return. You get an extended one. I got one of these Yay. too, where Saturn's gonna station <laughs> on your Saturn. Fun. You know, the thing is, I'm not really like scared or nervous though, because I, I mean, this is kind of morbid too, because like other life experiences. But I'm just like, listen, I've lived through absolutely everything that was thrown at me, so. Mm-hmm. whatever else is going to come in my Saturn return. Like, yeah, I'm not scared. <laughs> I'm not playing chicken. No, I think, it, yeah, I think that's a great way of, of approaching it. Cause yeah, it, it's Saturn is the Saturn return is just like, it's very much this process of like trials around like reparenting yourself, um, like healing those, like just base structural wounding around like, okay, I have to be here in this meat suit and like, I, you know, I'm going to keep going, I guess. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like how to do this in a way that's going to be sustainable, um, for the long term, and yeah, the, this extended Saturn return. I mean, I feel like Saturn, it's been such a blessing and you are a day chart. Um, so Saturn, is going to show up in more, like, it's going to be experienced in more constructive ways, too. Um, but, yeah, that's June. Well, May, yeah, starting in late April, all the way to, <laughs> all the way till, yeah, like, let's just say May, June, July, Saturn return okay. for you. We, we, we got yeah. this. I got this. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, I don't know if you're dating anyone now, but I wouldn't be surprised if you, if that's like another relationship, honestly. I would. I would be, you, you know what? I will report back. <laughs> I'll be, I'll I be mean, very surprised. Not to say, not to say that's like what I'm actually like a hundred percent predicting, mm-hmm. but it could show up that way where it's like, that's the trial is like to, you know, have to figure out how to do this again in a way that's going to be sustainable for the long yeah. term, you know? <laughs> it's um, but it's also funny that you mentioned that. that. Yeah, it's just, I'm laughing too because I'm, dating has just been like this weird experience over those last few months. But I mean, with all the things happening in my life but also in the world at large, it's like, yeah, how mm-hmm. do we date anymore um, when things yeah, keep changing? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is, 
I'm right there with you. Like, what? How mm-hmm. do I? Are you living in L.A. too? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. And L- okay, that's a whole other podcast. But L- I need to remember that. For LA when people are, are not weird. Like this. LA people are weird. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I can't say that necessarily, but I will, what I will say is that there's a lot of people here that are weird as fuck. I don't know if they're yes. all like yeah. LA people necessarily, <laughs> but no, there's I'm, a lot of weirdness. Yeah. No, I've actually, I've gone on a few dates with like folks that were like born and raised here and I'm like, oh mm-hmm. baby, <laughs> can't relate. <laughs> so I've dated to guys who were born and raised here. So I have, I'm by, and I love them a lot. So I'm biased. Um, but (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. it's one of those places where you find a lot of transplants and then you also find like some natives and it's like, I don't know, maybe I've gotten lucky, but I also know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're picking up what I'm putting down. It's just, it's interesting. If anything else, the group chat is very entertained, you know, so that's nice. (laughs) I mean, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And also just saying like. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. In terms of like, actually, let me, let me, let me rephrase. Okay. You were saying that this year, 28 has been so much about like kind of rediscovering yourself in a lot of ways. Um, and I feel like that is so fifth house and that was very much my fifth house experience at least is that there was this, it's like fifth house is sex. Yeah. It's, it's creativity. It's fun. It's children. It's all that too. But it's also just like what you love and mm-hmm. like what feels like, I like to say it's what turns you on, what yeah. sparks joy. And like when you're in your fifth house perfection or you're having some significant fifth house transits, you get these like experiences where you're like, oh yeah, I really love this. You know, or like you really start to tune into what pleasure really means for you and um, that feels like getting to know yourself, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that resonates so much. Yeah, because at first it definitely felt like a lot of, oh, no, I want none of this <laughs> experience, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm sure you and like people listening can imagine. Like, But in that clearing of what is no longer serving me, what doesn't spark joy, it does eventually leave room for all the things I do. It was just like, I think more so it was a process getting here and I was so impatient. I was just like, nah, I'm not having this, <laughs> but it I did, it did get better. And then I was able to get to the, the fun part, right. Of like all the, mm-hmm. yeah, like let's find these new things that I enjoy doing and like old things also that I can learn to love in a new way. What's really nice. Definitely. And again, you are having your nodal re- reversal too during all this as well. So congratulations, it's officially over as of today. Thank the goodness. are out of Gemini <laughs> inside. <laughs> um, we're recording this January 18th, 2022. So, so yeah, the nodes are officially in Scorpio and Taurus. Um, and yeah, you are going, you're having eclipses here and yeah, just so much energy around fifth house matters, around like yeah. what yeah. Yeah, I was over it. Joy. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna front. I was so over it. Oh, <laughs> I bet. I bet. The nodal reversal is a tough fucking transit. And that's when people are like, Oh yeah, twenty seven, like Saturn return. I'm like, don't don't say that because it's <laughs> 
Sometimes it's a Saturn return, but usually it's that nodal reversal that kicks your ass. Um, yeah. Like I it said. Because it really just throws you for a loop. Like I said, humbled. <laughs> Completely yeah, yeah. humbled. But it's all for good sure. now because um, we're going into a new nodal, nodal phase, nodal yeah. return. Yeah. yeah. So. And you're about to get a bunch of 10th house transits too. And it just like activations as well um, with Uranus and, you know, 10th house eclipses, you know, there's, that's Yay. pretty big for visibility and just like your career direction in general. Um, and then you're entering a Saturn, your first of two Saturn years. So when you turn 29, 29 and 30 are both years where your Saturn is activated. Um, and so, yeah, there's just, you're going to be in Saturn land um, you know, past your, <laughs> past your Saturn return. But I think it's going to be overall ve- experience is really constructive. Cause that again, is the most dignified planet in your chart and it's loud as fuck, but that's going to like, <laughs> but like really, in a good like, way, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's going to set you up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I could see, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much going to, um, going to predict yes, please. Uh, a serious partnership by the end of your Saturn return, or at least in your 30th year. That's what I'm, okay. that's one of my predictions. Okay. Um, <laughs> but also because yeah, next year, 2023, um, Jupiter will get to your Venus too. Jupiter is going to move through Aries okay. and hit your Venus by then as well. So yeah, you'll get your Jupiter opposition. I just, feel good about that well I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and then what else did I want to say oh yeah this 10th house stuff so Uranus Mm -hmm. gets to your midheaven um I don't think it's gotten there yet I don't think you've had the Uranus midheaven transit so it gets there in May um early May like the 9th or 10th the second week of May and it's there for like all of May the, all the rest of May basically nice. um and and it comes back a couple times I think it comes back in in sorry it's so slow okay all of December it's there all of January pretty much like yeah December through into March of 2020 oh wow three Okay. It's going to also be there. So you're getting a lot of like hits to your midheaven. And what that means is like things are going to change, right? And so okay. you can kind of you can kind of expect things to change for but at the same time, the north nodes there, we're going to have eclipses there, our first eclipse of the year um uh April 30th <laughs> is Ooh, so um, right pretty close to your, yeah, and it's pretty close to your midheaven. It's like 10 degrees, 9 or 10 degrees. So I I would imagine like new opportunities to, to be visible and to kind of just like expand your your craft and your, your professional like titles and roles. Um, and it's like, you don't have to know what that means right now because it's just going to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Um, and then I think when Jupiter gets to your Venus too, that's also going to be a big career thing, mm-hmm. um, because Venus rules your midheaven. So that's going to be some opportunities coming to you, but I think you're going to get some tastes of that this summer. Um, in May, when is that? Yeah. in like, yeah, May you get your, your Venus return, um, in like mid, late May. 
And then like Jupiter and Mars enter Aries, and I think they're gonna you're gonna start to get like some um, some clues. I think around what the next couple of years are gonna be like for you in terms of like, especially mm-hmm. in the realm of broadcast publishing. Are you writing a book? Have you thought about a book at all? I've thought about it. Okay. That was literally the thing that popped in my head as you were talking. So I'm like, whoa. Probably that then. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's going to start to manifest, I think, this summer around May, May, June. Um, Yeah. And then, oh, I forgot to mention this before, but um, I wanted to. It's still relevant. You've been being murked by Neptune for a while, too. Um, Yeah, let's talk about that. Because, again... (laughs) I'm, I don't know what else to do. The white flag is up. I'm, I, uncle, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, like, it started, I mean, it's probably started before this. It definitely started at probably in 2019. Because um, I know, because that 18 degrees mutable, 18 degrees um, Pisces, that's <laughs> exactly square my Mercury. So I remember these transits. It's rough. It's rough. It's rough. 2019. What was 2019 like for you? I feel like that might have been some overwhelming sort of like a bit. Yeah, it was. okay. I can tell you. So 2019 was actually like my first year in business and Mm. it was really overwhelming because I was just doing the most like almost like it's I'm getting like this image of like you know that episode of Spongebob when him and Patrick are taking care of the clam and like Spongebob's doing all the things and he has like 10 arms. That was me. I had, and I was so tired. (laughs) So it was like, I I got like, I remember this feeling of like, yes, I have achieved what I wanted. I got the things that I wanted, but I was so tired getting there that like, Mm -hmm. I really didn't celebrate it. It was, it was kind of weird. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was so basically what what was happening. Um, Jupiter was in Sagittarius that year, so you had all this creative energy and like you're able to produce a lot, mm-hmm. give birth to a lot of things. It was on your North Node, and as it hit your North Node, it started to square your Sun and Mercury. And Jupiter squares tend to be like overdoing. They basically are like doing the extra, most. extra, extra. <laughs> yeah, literally doing the most. And then on top of that. Neptune was on top of your Sun-Mercury conjunction. Okay, this explains so much. (laughs) Right there, yeah. And so Jupiter was squaring it. Neptune was like, I'm just going to like like pour a tsunami over you, basically. And like you're literally going to be drowning in work and and shit to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just overwhelming. Um, And so, yeah, you were dealing with Neptune on your Sun-Mercury for quite some time. Um, and of course the sun is your chart ruler. So that is the planet that represents you and your body and just like your overall vitality. Um, so that Neptune, I always say Neptune transits, especially hard aspects like the conjunction square and in opposition can feel like you're on opiates, but in a way that's like, you know, I can't get up. I can't move. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know, it's that sort of super sedative type of experience. Also, it can be really magical, but it can be a lot. I think it's a it, lot. It was so, a lot. <laughs> so you had, yeah, you're dealing with that Neptune transit. It's done. Neptune's not going to be on your sun and Mercury anymore. But 
now it's just moving to oppose your moon. Oh, no. (laughs) So, so yeah, now it's at 20 degrees. It's still just pulling away from your sun, Mercury. um, And it does get to oppose your moon. Um, It'll be there basically like halfway through April all the way until September. So you get a good chunk (laughs) of... um, of Neptune opposite your moon, and it'll come back eventually too, but, you know, because it stations retrograde opposite your moon, basically, so it's there for a while. Okay. Um, and, you know, the moon ruling your 12th house, it really it really is a lot of this, like, behind-the-scenes background stuff that has a lot to do with mental health, that has a lot to do with, like, just those, the, like, background systems, you know, mm-hmm. of your life. And um, Neptune's kind of being there, like, let's open up and see other ways of doing this. Let's spiritualize this a little (laughs) bit more. Let's dissolve even more boundaries. Let's make things a little bit more confusing for a bit. (laughs) Very, like, Seven of Cups energy, I'm feeling. Um, And, yeah, and, you know, in the end it'll be... It'll probably be worth it for sure. I'm gonna say probably. I would say definitely, but <laughs> probably. You know, I don't want to make promises. I don't want to make promises. Yeah. No, but but yeah, um, that's that's sort of again another background influence that's happening. Just kind of keep keep in your back pocket yeah. when you're like, why am I so confused and can't think straight? You can blame Neptune. I mean, <laughs> good because I already was. So <laughs> no, this is. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because that is giving me very seven of cups. Like, um, but almost in a sense of like, I know what I want, but like, is it actually what I want? And also, when I get it, like, will it still be fulfilling and like desirable to me? Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah. I don't know. It feels a lot easier to digest than just like being overwhelmed by choice to me. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. And you know, each pass of Neptune to your moon will be like a different sort of aspect of the lesson too. So, um, it's just one of those things. I feel like when Neptune transits, it's like with any outer planet transit, Uranus, Neptune or Pluto, it's always like the only way out is through. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Yeah. So, we just let them do their thing on us. We let them work us, and we see what's we see what's up on the other side. <laughs> um, do you have any questions about anything? Hmm. Um, so we were talking before, and I feel like I did have a question about Jupe. No, the North Node, because we hmm. the North Node specifically going into Taurus. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that was my question. Um, But also just like, um, and we talked about it throughout, but if there's any other like tidbits about my career, um, that would be nice to kind of like dive into a little bit. Totally. Because that's like at the forefront of my mind. (laughs) I love how like as you're talking about all the love stuff, I'm like, eh, can't be bothered. But like, you're like, please stop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's not... It's not the season for me, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like it's more of a next next year thing, too, with, like, yeah. But anyway, um, re- not relationships, work, <laughs> work, work, work. And, yeah, okay. So, one, I think 
29. I call 29 a grind. It's just a grind. It's a six house a year. Mm-hmm. You're working a lot, you know? Yeah. So I feel like you're really building the next two years. Like not to say that you're not, haven't already built so much, <laughs> but the, I feel like there's something new that's coming in that you're like spending a lot of time on and a lot of like effort and, you know, focus on. Um, and it's very systems, you know, you're just like, how do I get the systems in place to have a really nice foundation for whatever this is that you're building? Um, and I feel like it's very next level, you know, your, your sixth house Capricorn has Uranus and, um, Neptune there. So it feels like something almost like, you know, I think of Uranus and Neptune together as like utopic in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. or like these kind of grand visions, um, for humanity. And it's like, that's, that shows up in the area of life that's work for you and also lifestyle too. Um, so yeah, that's kind of there, but then to talk about the North node and all the stuff happening in your 10th house, um, which makes me think like, I also just want to talk about Venus. I mean, every time I talk about your 10th house and thinking mm-hmm. also about Venus too, but, um, so yeah, the North node is officially in Taurus. It gets to your mid heaven in October, um, yeah, at the very end of August, sorry, I don't know why I said October, the very end of August and September is what I meant to say. Okay. Um, and so that's like the actual transit past your, um, your midheaven. And so I, th- I do think that something is seated in May for you or late April, May, that might, you know, get bigger come, um, August, September. But yeah, so, um, the North Node kind of pulls us in whatever direction or wherever it's headed, right? And it also, I think of it sort of as this, like, um, electrical, like, electric, like, thing. I don't know. I kind of, like, <laughs> like I, an electric I current? Like a, like a current, but I think of it more like as, like, a prod almost. Like, mm. when you hit it, it, like, overly, it, like, electrocutes or, like, excites something. Mm-hmm. It, like, turns up the heat or whatever. Um and yeah, so wherever it's transiting, it's sort of like, you could think of it as like turning up the volume, right? It's just like getting louder and more, more excitement, more energy flowing in that, in that segment or that area of life. And so, yeah, now that it's in your 10th house, it's like, you know, you're feeling, you're going to be feeling that buzz. Mm-hmm. You're already feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just going to, that's going to keep growing, especially as it gets closer and closer to your midheaven. Um, and then Uranus is there too. And like I said, Uranus is going to be there for quite some time this year. It gets there in May. Um, and that's also creating a lot of electricity and, and, um, change making just in that area of life. So yeah, I I think like your tight, like there's a title or role or how you're perceived or how you're, um, known is going to change. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is really exciting. And then thinking about, you know, um, Mars is going to come to your, your Venus at some point, but by at some point, I mean in June. At some um, point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Jupiter only gets to eight degrees of Aries, but next year it gets to your Venus. Um, when is it? It gets there at the very, yeah, the very beginning of April of 2023. Um hmm. And that feels like some sort of 
that feels big career wise too. So there's just a lot so, like it's going to continue. Something I just noticed too, like it's spring of this year and spring of next year that are like, mm-hmm. look out for yeah, this. Definitely. Yeah. And that's also because we're talking about career stuff and you know, springtime, that's where, that's where your ninth, 10th and 11th yeah. get hit up. Um, and so, yeah, that's, and we happen to have eclipses there now. So there's a lot happening and, you know, worth it to mention, we're also going to have eclipses in your fourth house too. <laughs> so, there, oh, no. you know, a move could happen or, um, you know, are, are you pretty settled where you're at right now in terms of like your, your apartment or living situation? Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking about moving. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty much what it would be. And I like to think of South Node and South Node eclipses like as like very refining. There's just like, we don't need this. We don't need this. Throw that out. Yeah. More of that. Oh, that's absolutely like the energy that I'm, that I'm in. (laughs) Like I went on like a, yeah. Like it wasn't even just like, yeah, let's, let's see what we think about moving. It was like, no, look up your astro cartography and like let's start to like really think this through of like where we want to go um and where we're going which was also like really fun to dive into yeah 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 so there's definitely some movement around that as well but it feels more like again like figuring out what it is you the core of what you need in terms Mm -hmm. of a home or you know a place to live um the land that you want to you know, root onto. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I would have to say about career stuff for you. It's like, that's you're exciting. definitely on the up and up. Yay. I'm going to quickly look at your solar return real quick. Okay, cool. Um, for this upcoming year. Cause I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious what's going to be, what's going to show up better than last year. That's, that's my prediction. Oh. Better than last year. You're not going to like what I have to say. Oh, (laughs) no. All right. Well, let's hear it anyway. And by that, that I mean, I think you might meet someone. (laughs) No. (laughs) I, okay. But this is like for your 29th year. So like it might not be anytime soon. It could be sometime later (laughs) this year. I mean, all right. So here, let me just explain the reason why I'm just like, Oh oh my gosh. It's like, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to be doing this year. So I'm like, where, how, like I'm kind of, I can't even fathom the details because I don't know the details. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Um, That's, that's interesting. That's perfect. That's all. That's like the best place to be. But when you receive this type of information, because you're not going to project onto it. It's just, I'm just saying it could happen. It's, okay. there's some, there's some shit in the chart that speaks to partnership and that also could be business partnership. Um, but that's there. That's just there. But, but also you know what? what's there. Oh, I was going to say, you know what? It's a reframing that I do appreciate. It's just like, you know what? I deserve a treat. So like, sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I mean, the thing is, is that it, if it if it is romantic partnership, it looks juicy and very like nourishing and oh, healing. Nice. Um, so yeah, not like a repeat of whatever it is you left. You know, you just got out mm. of because, like you said, you already cleared that yeah. that puzzle. So thinking about it maybe in a way of like um, 
being open to receiving someone like loving the fuck out of you in the ways that you, you know, you want need. Okay. Can I, are there any details about them? Like I can, I mean, so yes, but I would, I would look at your natal chart for that. Okay. Um, for this, I would say the other thing I was going to say is mm-hmm. definitely career work stuff is like very loud too. Okay. So it, the solar return chart very much um, supports that. It's like a sixth house stellium in Aquarius. Okay. But the reason I said um, relationships is because the sun and Jupiter are like in the seventh house in Pisces mm. um, with Neptune. And that's just really lovely. Oh, okay. But that's nice. yeah, it's like the North nodes on the mid heaven, mid heaven and Taurus. And then your moon, the moon is in, um, in Gemini, like conjunct the mid heaven as well. Um, and yeah, in the 10th house, it does definitely feels like you're being seen okay. and you're working a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but some partnership, some really nice partnership could be in there too. All right. I'm not going to over, even though my brain right now is like, if I'm going to be working, how I'm going to have time to meet this person. <laughs> I, I, it might, it might be very different than anything you can perceive yeah. of, you know? Um, but yeah. And in terms of your person, like you need, you need Saturn, you need a Saturn, you need someone that's going to be, um, very consistent, very stable. Um, and also I would say very smart. <laughs> like I can imagine you as someone like almost like nerd, nerdy smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, really good at what they do. And I, I feel like someone with like a lot of stability and resources too, like they have not to say that, you know, it sounds like I'm describing like the perfect person, yeah. but like, the, but more of like those are like features mm-hmm. of them that yeah. are you're drawn to and that stand out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like basically a Saturnian and someone that's really going to be that nice counterweight to you. Um, not that's to say nice. they have to be Capricorn or Aquarius, but mm-hmm. I would imagine, you know, in terms of signs and placements that you might be compatible with, I feel like you would probably be pretty compatible well let me see let me since we're here (laughs) since we're here i mean have you ever dated an aries no okay i feel like you'd be compatible like very compatible with aries (laughs) actually um and fire signs in general like Mm -hmm. but they need to have they need to have some like earth um I feel, yeah, I feel like a fire-earth combo. Water, I would say they would definitely need to have at least one water placement, you know, mm-hmm. to like so you can feel reflected and, and seen in that way because that's, I feel like, really hard for watery people like us to like yeah. not have that sort of reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, but not too much. Just like... Not just, too much. Just a little dash. Like a, a Mar- like a Mars placement or yeah. like a Venus placement <laughs> or like, you know, one placement. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think... I don't think water sign. Like, I don't think no. sun sign. Mm-mm. No. Um, just based on the way I... At least I... <laughs> I'd like to look at sinistry and compatibility. But yeah, I, I like fire for you and I like um, air for you. Too. I can Like a Libra might be really good. Um... Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I would describe them as like Saturn. All right. (laughs) But like a really benevolent type of Saturn, this type of Saturn that 
Um, yeah, because your Saturn is pretty bonafide by the benefic. So someone who is like, oh, you know what I would say? Someone who is probably um, com- very community-oriented or does something that really affects like the work that they do, what they're passionate about, really affects people like a large group of people, Mm, you know, like mm -hmm. organization work or some type of community work or something that building something even on a bigger scale that like helps like a certain type of community. Mm, mm -hmm. Okay. That Aquarius Saturn, like I'm going to create structures for communities type of thing. Yeah. I'm into that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, Okay. Definitely. I mean, I would say I always tell people like my clients, I'm like, your homework is to daydream. Just think about what, you know, would be nice. And it's not like actual homework where you have to like remember to do this. Mm-hmm. But like, it's always good. To, ooh. <laughs> it's always good. I'm always <laughs> kicking my trash can because I can't I can't see it from this eye line. Um, but yeah, it's always good to just like I tell people, like, think about what like a, a Saturday morning would be like with this person, like. What are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. whose bed are you in? You know, yeah. like, are there animals around? You know, what does the room look like? Just stuff like that. Um, I also like to tell people think about what your arguments would be like. Ooh. like what is like the type of argument that you would want to have? You know, like how would you want that to go? What, what does that look like for you? Okay, that was a big one for me that I realized like with my ex, where it's like we the way that. I wouldn't even say we fought because I don't fight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's not who I am. But he was very, like, like combative like that. And just, like, naturally tell him, he talks to his family, you know, very, like, they yell at each other. Yeah. And I hate that so much. And so I made it a point um, to, to kind of think about it. Like, I never want to fight with someone like that. Like, that's not yeah. how I want to argue. <laughs> I it It's funny. I was talking with... Um, another friend of mine who's also an astrologer and I was like mm. yo I still we were chilling and I was like wait I still have my ex's birth chart information so I gave it to her and as soon as she saw it, she's like "Ooh!" and I was like why are you making that face <laughs> and I, I can't remember the placement or anything like that um so I won't say it specifically but it was like one of their major placements were like direct opposition to me. So they were like, oh no, mm. oh baby, no. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that's ex- opposition. That explains yeah, a that's lot. That's no. I have my ex. Yeah. yeah. Just mad opposition. She that was, were like combative. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, just, you know, look for the complimentary placements. <laughs> I was yeah. like, bet. That's okay. why I'm saying fire and air for you. Yeah. And especially with the sun, especially, the reason I say no water suns is because. We, you already have an eighth house sun. Mm-hmm. You don't need another water sign lighting up one of your dark houses. You don't need someone lighting, yeah, we, cancer lighting we up your really 12th don't. house. <laughs> we really don't. Uh, let's keep that over there. Yeah. And that's not like any shade against cancers. It's just the way that the, the astrology yeah. works. You don't want people necessarily lighting up your dark houses all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes it does work. Um, but that's usually because there's configurations in your chart that make it work you know yeah um but yeah i really like fire i like cardinal for you like um aries and libra um yeah Yeah. so we'll see definitely keep me posted (laughs) i will i will this is so this is so great thank you so much yes thank you so much for coming on and sharing do you have like 
Yeah, I guess to ask you like a little bit more about sex ed, if you have, mm. do you have advice for people who did get really shitty sex ed and like just want to know where to begin to like learn more about sex in a way that, you know, is queer inclusive, like inclusive in all ways, you know, inclusive mm-hmm. of all bodies. And also, um, yeah, like, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, like I just feel like people are, Talk about seven of cups energy, like so spoiled by choice. Cause there's so many, like Mm. not just any like educators and coaches and practitioners and people in the field, but like there are so many folks who are passionate about this work who are like really overly educated that I feel like just are not being seen. And if you're somebody that's like, I'm prioritizing, like looking for this, like look at, look in the places where like communities are happening. Cause like we exist and like specifically, I, I want to say too, like this might be a little spicy, but if you're <laughs> looking, <Venus and> <laughs> let's go. If you're looking for that, right. Don't just settle for like the large organizations that you find, like no shade to Planned Parenthood or Seekus or anything like that. But I think that like, again, looking for that connection um, and looking for somebody that's really going to support you in the kind of, like sex education experience that you're looking for, I think you can really only find that magic with an individual. So like, Mm -hmm. rather than looking at these larger organizations, like start like, I don't know, hanging out in the places where like sex educators can be. And again, I know like it's hard with censorship and us like, you know, the state of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like investing in places, um, like looking on, well, I'm not even going to say looking on ASEX website because, like, we know how I feel about certification. But, like, Instagram or even if, like, I think – actually, no, I'm going to say Instagram because something that I always do is, like, if I find someone that's interesting, I look to see who they follow. So, like, mm-hmm. that's a really simple thing to do. Like, you can check out who I'm following. Um, just some folks – And if you go to follow Cameron, usually, like, people will pop up, yeah. right? Like, suggested yeah, people totally. will pop up. Yeah, so I'm just like, there's so many folks, like, again, depending on the kind of sex education experience that you're uniquely looking for, it's going to vary. But I know I only follow quality people. So like, I don't know, check out who they follow, you know, who they reference, who they source, things like that. Off the top of my head, um, just shouting out Erica Smith, Bianca Loriano, Melissa Carnegie of Sex Positive Parents, Erica Hart, like all incredible people that do like fantastic work in a field. Evian Whitney also. Um, just again, I think those are really fantastic places to start and like always prioritizing folks with multiply marginalized backgrounds because like we deserve to be uplifted and supported as the experts we are. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. That's my advice for that. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I think I, there are just so many incredible people on Instagram to, to follow. Oh, Evian Whitney is also another good person that talks about not necessarily, well, yeah, I would say it's like said, it's not necessarily like, like, um, yeah, like textbook sex. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's sensuality. Like they, they describe their work as being a sensuality doula, which I love mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Also, wait, there, I have their book also, oh, which awesome. is really great. Give me one second. I'll grab it. Yeah. So it is. Evian's great if you haven't followed or if you don't know about them. 
Ugh, yes. So they are incredible. And this is their book, uh, Sensual Self. It's like a journal, actually. So there's all these places you can like write. I know if you're watching this, you're like, I can't see that. But <laughs> it's like a journal that you write in. And you it's try. an experience for you to get in touch with your body and like create your own experience of sensuality. I just... Stuff like this, I completely consider to be sex education because it's, I think that collectively we are moving away from like fear mongering and we need more of like, what, like, what does it look like when sex education and like sexuality and sensuality work looks fun and cool and pleasurable and interesting and not just about like what we're lacking and like what we're missing all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Yeah, so definitely um, follow Cameron. Can you tell people where to find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at the Cameron Glover. Um, I'm also on other platforms, but Instagram's like the main place that I hang out at. If you are a sex educator or you want to be and you want to know how to build your business, definitely join us inside the Sex Ed Business Academy. That's my group coaching program where I teach you how to actually create an offer, how to like have a full-time business as a sex educator. And I also do private one-on-one coaching as well. So if you're in the field or if you're somebody that's like, in a like also really interesting niche, I guess, and you want to like build your business as well, I can also like support you with that. So all the information is available in like my link in bio. So if you find me on Instagram or links to, yeah, if you find me like Instagram, social media, or like the bottom of this episode, you can find all those links. But if you have any questions, you're always welcome to DM me as well. Awesome. This has been so great. Do you have any other questions for me or anything? No, I think you answered all of them. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you. This is so great. All right, folks. Hope you enjoyed that one. Um, Be sure to follow Cameron, of course. She does such great work. Um, And yeah, I hope you've been enjoying these like interview style reading style episodes. I really loved making them. So um, yeah, I hope to bring them back for next season. I hope um, you enjoy the last couple episodes of this season. I'm, I'm stoked about the last three we have. And yeah, I'll see you again next Monday. Um, of course, you know, like subscribe, five stars, reviews, all the things. I hate having to like tell you guys to do that. I'm not really telling you. I'm, I'm suggestion, suggesting it's an ask. Um, and of course, you know, um, check out our upcoming 11th house workshops um, and our summit, Emerging Astrologer Summit taking place in May, May 21st. Or sorry, yeah, 21st. Um, and of course, I'll be at Norwalk. Uh, I'll be speaking at Norwalk this year too. So if you're there, give me a holler. Um, you'll see me, I'm sure. All right, friends, have a great rest of your week and see you again next week. Bye-bye.